Hello and welcome to Catholic Parents Online, a podcast where we share tips and resources on Catholic parenting. This is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Parenting Team of the Apostolate for Catholic Truth. Presented with the lens of the Theology of the Body, we will see how we can be a sincere gift of ourselves to our kids in ways that will help them find true happiness and flourish in accordance with God's wonderful plan for each and every one of them. My name is John Hui and I'm your host for this podcast. And today, we are very blessed to have with us a gentleman who will be sharing his story about his journey from addiction to pornography to freedom in Christ. He has been really, really, truly courageous in agreeing to do this interview. And his main motivation being a desire to help us Catholic parents be more aware of the dangers that our children are exposed to and share with us how we can protect them and if any of them, perhaps even any of us, are ensnared in this area of pornography, how we can break free from it. For obvious reasons, and to protect the privacy of his family and children, we will not be using his real name, but instead a pseudonym. And we both agreed on the name Augustine. After St. Augustine, with whom many of us would identify, right? Yes, that same St. Augustine who once famously said, and prayed, Lord, give me chastity, but not yet. Hello, Augustine, and welcome to this podcast. Hi, John. Thank you so much for having me. It's a really a pleasure to be here. I should thank you, Augustine. Yeah. Now, we had some uh, conversations before this recording, and I must say I was uh, truly struck by your honesty and uh, subsequently your determination and your faith, you know. So perhaps um, to start off this uh, conversation, would you like to share with us a little about your childhood, growing up years? Sure, sure. Uh, wow, where do I start? Uh, well, I belong to a Catholic family. And, uh, you know, uh, I have three siblings. And I think in the Ido society, one would often say that, you know, I, our family came across as a normal Catholic family. We were, you know, we always would go for a Sunday mass and, uh, yeah, very, I would say a very normal family, you know, um, happy going family. Um, I, I think like, you know, obviously every family has their ups and downs and on with regard to my childhood, I would say one important area was uh, my dad, he was working overseas, I think for a good six years, probably when I was nine. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, I mean, it was my, my parents decided that, you know, he would be working overseas and have to bring in money for the family. So I think, uh, I think, you know, there was that time where I actually missed my, my dad a lot and my mom had to take on a lot of responsibilities in the house where she was taking on two different roles, both as a father and a mother. And uh, other than that, I think, uh, you know, there were a lot of, you know, squabbles, you know, I think my, my parents were amazing raising us up, but I think they were not, uh, the, you know, really good in their own relationships. And uh, definitely that was quite traumatizing for me as a child. Obviously now over time, the relationship has grown, but as a child, I, I think me and my sub-siblings, we had to see that on a very regular basis. Um, 
yeah, I mean, all of all of our families have our problems, right? And I can understand um, uh, your family had its own uh, issues as well. Um, perhaps would you like to share with us uh, when you were introduced to pornography and how did that happen? I think I definitely was. It, it started off at a very, very young age. I don't exactly know the details, but I think it was around my close uh, circle. I think my my elder brother probably had, uh, who's four years older to me, had was already exposed to it, and he happened to just, you know, expose it to to me as well. And that that is one faint memory. It was. I, I remember that was my first experience there, but I think it only aggravated, it got aggravated a couple of years later. And I, I don't recall how, but I think it was around just my, 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 my friends, my close circle again, but in school. So, yeah, maybe, maybe when I was probably 13, 13 years old. So I, I would say, yeah, it was mainly uh, exposure by an external party, but also curiosity that actually led me to pornography, led, led me to my first uh, exposure to pornography. I see. And um, after exposure, um, uh, how did you more or less like um, get in a sense uh, hooked onto it and felt the uh, curiosity to continue to um, go on into this um, practice of, uh, you know, interviewing pornography, uh, perhaps maybe what were the triggering factors that made you uh, go into it? It's that age, right? I mean, you just, it's puberty and, and you know, your, your body is going through a lot of changes biologically. And it's, I, I personally thought, and for me, it was just that age where I found my peers doing it. And it, I'll be honest with you, like, you know, the, the woman's body is, is very, very powerful. Like, you know, um, it's, I mean, God has designed magnificently the human, the woman's body. So when left, uh, when left unprotected, yeah, you just get hooked onto it, especially if there's little guidance and it was the norm at least for me also growing up, like, you know, you, you just had to do it because your, your friends were doing it. And uh, sooner or later, you just didn't need company to do it because you just got hooked onto it very easily. And one picture was not enough. It became a collection of pictures. Then over time, it was videos and then the different types of videos. And it was just an unending cycle you just wanted the next best thing. And the more you consumed it, it was never enough. So it, you know, that it's, it's a very slippery slope. Once you get exposed to pornography, um, when, when left unsupported by any other factor or, or lack of guidance, you can just fall into addiction very easily. And that's precisely what happened to me. Right. Right. Were there some things that happened, um, in your life that may have um, made you so-called, yeah, just triggered into viewing? For example, were there um, sometimes events in your life like stress events or when you felt lonely or when you felt rejected and things like that that made you 
Oh yes, oh my gosh, it was definitely a big. I mean, you always found so many reasons for pornography. Pornography was that place where, you know, you could just hide into. Uh, it was that place where you could just run away from all the problems in your life. And for me, you know, as growing up, I think the biggest problem in my life was, uh, you know, I, I think my environment. So I, me being far away from from my from my dad, and uh, and also, you know, the financial issues in my house, my parents squabbling, you know, those were internal, you know, those, those were issues that we're having in my family. You know, when when you look into your how, I mean, when you are going through a lot in your own life, you, you know, you tend to, your first resort is to go to your family, right? Because that's the place where you spend most of your time and, and that's where, you know, you're, you're nurtured and you're loved. But once you don't find love or you don't, or you don't see love, because I felt like maybe I was taken care of very well by my parents, but I felt like, you know, I never saw them. I never saw the image of love in their relationship. And as a child, you know, you're always traumatized saying, oh my gosh, is will, will my parents get separated? It's those thoughts that never should be occurring on a child's mind. But it does happen when, when parents squabble and they fight. And, and these were just ongoing issues in the house, you know. You, there were so many triggers. And yeah, I think that was a major component. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, want to, you just want to run away. And you run away to pornography because it's so easy, so accessible. There were also other issues in the external environment. Like, I don't know, like in, in the place where I was living. Uh, there was a brief period where I was also overseas and I wasn't very comfortable with the environment outside. I was a minority there and uh, there was definitely a big culture shock and uh, fear was one good reason why you wanted to just run away to pornography. It was like a safe haven. Mm. You just forget about the world and just dive into it for an hour and and yeah, no questions asked. You don't need to share your feelings. It's just an easy fix. It was definitely an escape. Yeah, it was not like it. It was an escape, man. Um, and it was a good escape. And you're there at the moment. It's just the right thing because once you're done, you know, once uh, you're done watching, once you're done with m- masturbation, then life feels a little better for a very few minutes and then it was like an escape kind of thing (laughs) yeah yeah and uh, when did you um in a way realize that it was a problem how did you realize it was a problem yeah you know that's a good question i think i think quite soon um i don't exactly remember how old i was but i always questioned you know why in my opinion something so um stress relieving was at the same time so empty as well. I mean, it, it didn't take me too long to realize that actually I was using, um, I mean, now I'm, I can say, right, I was using it to escape, but once I, I mean, when I started, it was, uh, I, I didn't see it that way. I mean, I essentially thought it was, I'm a guy and you, you tend and you will roam around with a lot of people who just say that, you know, it's, it's, it's good for you as a man, this, 
is a part of your masculinity journey that you have to be indulged into pornography. But over time, you'll realize, and I, and I think anyone who has this issue with porn addiction would know that it's all, it's all a lie. They, these are just these are just symptoms to a greater problem. So all the issues that I mentioned internally in my own house and externally, those were problems that probably I did not know how to deal with. And I just would use this as an escape. Um, and then I realized, okay, maybe I, it was time for me to work on my problems. And then I didn't realize that actually, that then I started questioning, you know, a lot of questions came into my mind um, with regard to pornography because I realized um, that I I had I think the thing that really caught my attention was was my lack of freedom. I felt like I was enslaved to pornography. You know, you're doing it and you're doing it so often you you don't realize that you are an addict. It's only when you try to stop then you realize, oh my gosh, this this you know, this is, the, you know, your, the free will is one, one thing in your existence that no one can rob away from you. It, it's so integral to your being. And yet I felt I, my own will was enslaved because uh, to, to pornography, I, I couldn't let go. And that allowed me, that really allowed me because I couldn't bear the idea of being enslaved to something. And I tried to let go, but it just became very, very difficult over time. So if I hear you correctly, what you um, said is that it, the emptiness that you felt within, uh, that you felt within, um, and also the fact that you found yourself unable to break free from it, and you found yourself um, so compulsively into it that you couldn't, in a sense, be free to do what you knew you should do or wanted to do. Am I right to say that? Exactly, exactly. I would say that was the starting point. Of course, there were many other reasons as to why later on I wanted to let go. But yes, uh, I remember there, uh, yeah, the, the, these were like the, the, this was one big factor, like the, the free will being enslaved to this, mm-hmm. uh, that really had a very profound impact on my way, on my, on my view on pornography. Mm-hmm. Right. So what motivated you subsequently then to want to quit pornography after you realized that it was a problem and that it was really causing you a lot of uh, pain rather than uh, freedom, so to speak? Over time, when you become addicted to pornography, you realize how, how meaningless it is, how empty it is. Each time you act out, there's this void in your heart that is so uh, visible and it just brings you it just brings you down and i and i and and lord knows like i i really have been in that position many many times almost every day for that matter and i really was determined to find out more about pornography you know the thing about pornography is especially with addiction at least for me is because there's a post, there's a certain portion in your in your mind that acts as a good lawyer. You, know, you try to find certain ways to negotiate. Okay, you know, maybe I cut down or maybe I 
there's certain aspects to pornography that I can watch, or you know, it's it's okay if I do it a certain way if I watch certain types of content. You know, you have a you'll. I realized that you know there was this voice in my head that was a very good lawyer. That's how I actually was used to tell myself. But then uh, sooner or later, I I still felt empty. I just realized it was all just many many excuses. I had made to just continue watching pornography. But then I realized, okay, I am either 100% with it or 100% against it. And this is what I would advise everyone who is addicted. You either, you need to, you know, first be very firm in your mind, either you're with it or against it. And then I'm against it. Then I realized, okay, I'm against it, but let me stop. I, the, the second step is, okay, can you stop? And uh, you can try stopping. But then you can't, and I realize, okay, I, I really need to do something, something more. I, I, I realized my relationships were getting impacted because I, I began, you know, in this, in this, in this time, I started reading a lot because I had, I was in the phase of quitting pornography, so I, I took active, uh, I, I took initiatives to actually find out more about the industry find out some more about you know the the situation i was in not just about the industry but the addiction that i was in and and uh, and i realized like you know the the more i read the more i had i had more reasons to actually quit the industry and hence uh hence i became very very determined to actually quit it for good there were there were also like some some books that actually really helped me a lot to make that decision. Uh, it so happened that I was actually I, I recently started dating, and, and for me it was a very big thing because I I never believed in the idea of love. I never saw it in my own family, so I I just was against the idea of dating because I couldn't bear the thought of hurting another another human being. So and and why date, right? When you have when you have all the pleasures of the world in front in your in your in your computer screen, why why even date? But for some reason the Lord thought it was fit for me to start dating and and I remember uh, I remember my my then uh, fiance, no sorry, my then girlfriend, she was she was moving out from her apartment. She was was gone she was going to study abroad and and uh, we were just clearing out some books inside a room and i came across this book it's called uh, love and responsibility by kyle Wojtyla. and uh, she, she was about to take it uh, and, and give it to some friend and, and i said hey you know it sounds like an interesting topic and i like reading why why not just give it a shot and that book, honestly, John, that book <laughs> took me, just brought me to tears. Yeah, I must say that I got really depressed after reading the book. <laughs> but but in a way, it was, but in a way, it was a good kind of depression. I I don't know what how to describe it, but essentially, I realized a lot about myself. I mean, it was not just, I mean, I can go on talking about the industry and stuff like that, right? But over there, I realized, you know, me, Augustine, I was created out 
I was created for love and I was created out of love and I was created to love. The only relationship that is proper and adequate in the words of Karl Wojtyla is love and anything in between is just an obstacle to love. And sorry, and anything that, that prevents that love is just, is just a big obstacle. And I realized that, you know, when I would, would watch pornography, I questioned my relationship, right, to the women that I was watching. I neither knew their names. I mean, of course, their stage names we all know, but I, in some cases, I didn't even know their stage names. I didn't really care about them. For me, my relation to them was just a means to an end. And that end was pleasure, and not just pleasure, maximization of pleasure. Huge obstacle in, in, in my natural relationship that I was created for. And I felt, in, I, I don't know, like, you know, sometimes in, at, the, at the right moment, the right words, they really pierce your heart. And for me, those words just pierce my heart. I started questioning my relationship to women in, in, in general. And I realized this is not my, this was like, you know, this was it. I was like, no, I can't, I just can't go forward. I, I even questioned my own relationship with my girlfriend. I said, maybe I should end it because I'm a wreck. I am a wreck. I've been living in this, in this lie. And I, you know, I, academically speaking, I'm an IHUer. So I have been a very good student. I've been a very good son in the world. In, in the world, I would seem like a very perfect person, but I realized I was so flawed internally. And something so fundamental to my own creation was uh, something so fundament, fundamental to my, my creation uh, was also lacking <laughs> in my practice, right? And yeah, John, so these were the, the reasons why I, I think that book was, I, I would really, you know, encourage anyone who's addicted as well to just read that book and maybe question your relationships with, with the women uh, you watch. Yeah, that, that book is heavy reading. I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed by the fact that you went through it because I'm still struggling with it. <laughs> It's a, you did a great job with that. Yeah, so I think uh, perhaps, yes, I, I think the many people have actually um, um, voiced um, this, that the teachings, the works of Carol uh, Wojtyla, uh, um, Pope St. John Paul II, um, namely in the theology of the body and um, love and responsibility, have really helped them um, recover their sense of who they were um, what they were made for, and very importantly, um, in a sense, how they were to really um, live out that life, uh, which is in love, for love to love, right? In order to really um, find true happiness and, and, and fulfillment uh, in, in their lives. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it's, it's uh, such a, a beautiful blessing that all of us have uh, from, St. John, uh, from St. John Paul II. Yeah. So, um, having um, shared uh, so beautifully about your um, conversion, so to speak, right, the part that really made you want to change, um, would you like to share with us perhaps how you, in a way, overcame it? The steps you took to overcome this uh, addiction. 
I would say it wasn't very easy. <laughs> and I would say that I am still on the road to, to recovery. This is what we usually tell ourselves every day when we wake up in the morning. At least I do that. I wake up reminding myself that I'm still an addict. Um, I think for me, again, um, I, I, I did take many steps. And I would say that there was no particular order as to which uh, which action really helped me the most. I think it was just uh, a long journey of of uh, just persisting to to allow God to work His uh, magic, I guess, so to speak. Um, I I would say I, at the start when I did want to stop this. Uh, addiction, I did rely a lot on myself to to end it. And I think that was a mistake that I had taken because uh, again, I told you, like I mentioned earlier, right, I was a high achiever. I was quite independent as well. There was a brief period in my time where I was also living by myself. So I really thought that, you know, I had everything. Uh, I, I, I was armed to actually take care of this addiction myself. And the Lord that really humbled me during that time because uh, no matter what I did, it was never enough to bring an end to the addiction. And uh, and I realized, and I did, and I foolishly was on that stage for a very, very long time. So for me, uh, those steps, you know, if I have to really write them down, I really have to mention it here. It was, you know, listening to a podcast about pornography, about the vices of pornography, uh, or um, or you know, going to church regularly, going for confession. Confessions. This is all. This is all really good, um, and I would say that really helped me. Helped my helped me to open my eyes. But I don't think it was advocate, and I realized that I was still falling, but. What I should have done and what I did do eventually was actually uh, uh, reach out to people for and ask for help. And this was a very big step because then my ego is involved, right? You're, then you're exposing oneself to the others. And I think I uh, the the first thing that the first person who I exposed this to was actually my my girlfriend then. Because you know the the book that I was reading, Carl with you, it really opened my eyes. It was also very disturbing. My 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 girlfriend knew that there was something something that was changed in me, in uh, and and I was really very very down, and I had to bring this to her. And uh, I'm very glad I did it because I then I realized because the thoughts that I that had come to me back then is that you know how Lord I'm not worthy of your love. Uh, I'm a mess. I have made a mockery of, mockery of everything beautiful that you have created. And, uh, but when I mentioned this to my girlfriend, then she was so accepting of me. And I realized, wow, if she has imagined how great my God is who created her, right? And if she can love me in spite of my flaws, then he can too. So then she also started helping me in my journey. I came across and and that encouraged me to actually uh, talk 
openly about it to my very close friends as well. And I realized that we had some amazing conversations. Of course, they had their they had their own point of views and I couldn't change their hearts. And I don't think that was the whole point of exposing exposing this to my friends. It was just just sharing the situation that I was in and sharing my thoughts. And I think that really also helped. I became more confident and I realized, you know, like me, I, I mean, I wasn't alone. I realized my friends also were in the same, um, were also suffering in, in that way. And, um, you know, that's what the devil tells you when when you are fighting alone. They, the devil tells you that, hey, you know, you are the only flawed person uh, and you are, you know, you know, you are not worthy of God's love and you are a joke. But when you talk to people, you realize, wow, you're not alone. And you have to be careful, of course, to who you are talking to. And that encouraged me then also then to go. And it was very difficult. I mean, I'm, I'm probably, uh, it, it's coming across as, as very easy and straightforward. But these conversations were very, very difficult. I, it would almost shake me, right? Because, again, at my ego, I, I was really, really humbled. And then I started talking about it more uh, closely, also to a priest, yeah. And uh, he was helping me in my journey as well. It was not just a mere confession. I would go and and visit him, and um, and I think that really also helped me. Other than that, I also had uh, joined uh, a group. It's called uh, uh, SA Sexaholic Anonymous. And just hearing others who were also in the same journey was also quite, quite comforting, uh, knowing that you are not alone and and amazing people, all of them. But we're just, we're just, you know, sick, yeah, right? And uh, and of course, uh, I would, uh, I never stopped reading, so I continued reading for like you said, love and responsibility was difficult to digest for me. TOB was a bit difficult to digest. I'm still in the process of digesting it. Uh, but I think uh, you know God will re reveal His uh, uh, His mysteries to us in, in due time. Uh, another thing that actually I grew up in a very I don't know what's the word in a very macho, a very manly kind of an of an environment where we were encouraged not to share feelings. And sharing feelings became very, very, was very, very difficult for me. You know, if a person is suffering, we, I did not, if I was suffering, I did not have uh, the habit of sharing my emotions with anyone. And hence, uh, I, I, I don't know who it was that had encouraged me to start journaling, but, I was fighting with this idea for a very long time. I said, no, me, you will not find me, Jonah, because that's not what men do. I don't know who put this lie in my head. But then I eventually started journaling and I realized, wow, there was there was a whole different area of, of uh, it was a whole different area of my side that I wasn't aware of myself. And that was only revealed to me when I started journaling. I could, you know, contain my thoughts. I could, um, I could think, and I think, you know, it was just a combination of these different things. Again, like I said, it's not just, it's not in this order, but it, it's, it's just these 
um, these combination of different tools that helped me in my journey. And of course, I never, I always tried to pray. For me, the, the prayer that was very close to me was the Our Father prayer. When I, whenever I felt tempted, I would always just say this in my heart. And uh, I, I just found comfort in these words. Yeah. Um, I'm, I remember you mentioning just now um, that one of the motivating factors for you in wanting to quit pornography was when you found out the reality of what pornography did to um, the actors and actresses um, in that um, in those videos and so on, right? And because a lot of people actually claim that pornography is actually a harmless activity. After all, no one is hurt in the process and it is consensual since the actors and actresses involved in these videos consented in a sense to being filmed that way. Um, what do you say to that? Any comments um, based on what you mentioned just now? I think, and this is just based on what I've, based on what I know, actually, it's not, it's a research and, and, uh, and if anyone puts uh, their head into it and actually do a lot of digging, they'll, they'll understand there are many voices to pornography. No one, no one's childhood dream is to become a, a porn star. You really have to imagine the harrowing experiences that these people have to go through to make a decision to, to participate in pornography and to degrade their bodies in front of the whole world. Most of them, I, about constant, most of them are very uh, are forced into it and those who aren't are are coerced or are manipulated to sign contracts that actually that actually has no benefit to them in a way you know we are we the consumers are feeding off their their vulnerabilities we we are exploiting them. A lot of these porn stars that I also used to watch on a regular basis, um, you'd be surprised, but over time I realized that some of those porn stars actually passed away. And I really didn't care sometimes to just watch. When we watch pornography, we don't, we keep the human side of, of the woman just outside, you know, and we treat them worse as an animal. We don't really care about what they had to do, or, or you know, the 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 we don't we don't care about their life. The amount of harrowing events that led to this video that we are watching, what they are actually going through the video, because whatever they whatever they are depicting in the video is also a lie. It, it comes across as something that they enjoy, but um, it's, it's not true. You know, sex is, is not, that, that's very unnatural, you know. Um, sex is not like that. Sex is more beautiful. There is no talking in war because, of course, there is no maximization of pleasure involved in talking, right? But when you have sex in, in the natural way, of course, there's a, there's a dialogue 
It's it's beautiful. Everything about sex is just max, about pornography is just maximization of pleasure. And unfortunately, a lot of these porn stars they are victims. And and if you see this, there's actually a high fatality rate. A lot of porn stars they are, they die either because of STDs. They die either because of physical abuse, and mostly because of because of suicide. There's a social depth. No one would, the whole, there are millions of people watching them on a daily basis, but no one would want to go out with them. No one wants to be seen with them. This is how we're treating upon stars. So I think it's, it's, just, a, it's just a big lie. And, uh, and no matter how much on we consume that is never enough we always want we, we just want the next big thing we want them to do more horrendous uh, acts that is so yeah unnatural there is definitely something wrong then right so yeah it would seem that that is quite the case i think um, it seems quite consistent uh, with the book I had read, um, the the myth about uh, pornography by Matt Fred, um, and I think it seems what you said is really quite consistent with what I read in that book as well. Now, um, with regards to let's say for um, people out there who are in a sense addicted to pornography or definitely troubled by pornography and really want to quit it, but they have problem doing so. Would you have any advice to them and how they can actually go about um, seeking freedom from pornography? Yes, I think seeking, I, I think firstly, you need to, again, um, you need to shut the lawyer in your head firstly. All right. So it's, I think you need to start off by saying, do you really want to quit? And there's no like 80% quitting or 50% quitting, which is often the case, you know, people who usually want to quit, they they tone it down or, you know, they, they, they say, okay, we'll, you just stick to this. We, we won't, we won't, won't watch certain videos. There is no middle ground. You are either hundred percent with it or hundred percent against it. And I think it starts from there. Well, I think the second thing to, based on my experience is just to surrender it to God. Can't really stress this enough, but alone, you will not be you will never be able to to destroy this addiction you have to let you have to give yourself completely to god because because you see recovery does not happen overnight uh there there are good chances that you will give in no matter you realize that well you've you've done really good first day second day third day first month second month third month couple of months as well for that matter and you'll fall um and the the important part is just just continue praying and and giving yourself and, and and just continue walking in that journey don't the devil will always tell you that you are not worthy but you must continue walking just continue going if you fall it's okay you wake up start again get up and start again don't don't give up don't say that 
I, I think the devil just fills us with so many lies. The devil says that, oh, okay, you're probably the anomaly. It's okay for you to watch because that's just who you're going to be. Like, you know, there's nothing that you can do. And that's not true. You just keep on walking. Uh, and also, it's important to fill your minds with good material as well. So along with prayer, always remember to to read, uh, uh, you know, read books of people who've also um, had similar journeys or or truth about relationships to people. I, again, something similar to to the books that we mentioned here, but uh, of course, like uh, you can always just keep on exploring. Just read. Um, I wouldn't. There, there's certain ways, of course, of how to adjust your lifestyle. So you know, I mean, everybody knows exactly when they get triggered or what times of the day they get triggered. So um, personally, for me, if I um, now I'm married, I'm with my wife, so I try to keep my I try to protect myself. I keep my phones away from me after a particular time. And uh, if my wife is not around at home, then I usually try to be outside and appreciate the beauties of the world outside or and I think you just have to create a schedule or just protect yourself. It's not usually people start off this way, you know, they try to the schedule and stuff like that. Don't start there. You have to start with prayer. You have to start with surrendering. You have to start with with shutting off your lawyer <laughs> person in your head. Uh, th these are just tactics, but you need to have, I would say, like a strategy. And 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 yeah, prayer is is the best. And regularly go for confession. Uh, share your journey with someone who is very close with you, be it a priest or 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 a friend or a mentor. It's important to share. Uh, I cannot stress that enough. It's important to share and uh, start journaling for those who have not tried it. Wow, it, it really, it really does wonders. Uh, yeah, and just just keep on, just keep on moving. Don't stop, even if you fall. Don't stop, and you will fall. There is no doubt about that. And just remember that the Lord loves us so much. And the more you share your stories, you'll you'll see that love in, in others and and you'll realize how great God is. And if you don't see it, then also know that the Lord has already died for us here. So um in a sense, I think what you've shared so far would uh, uh be that number one, in order to try to really quit pornography, we need to recognize that it is a problem. And secondly, uh, always to make sure that we need to rely on God's grace and really surrender ourselves to Him. And then um, the, the importance of spiritual direction, the importance of the sacraments, uh, confession, regular reception of the Eucharist, and also the uh, need for um, accountability in terms of uh, other people whom you can share with, and even in form of support groups, um, like, you like you mentioned just now, um, SA, you know, Sexaholics Anonymous. And 
Um, I think it seems that if, uh, did I summarize it correctly? What you had? You uh, said it best. Yeah. I mean, you perfectly summarized it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, it was, uh, uh, yeah, I think you really uh, shared a very beautiful part of, of that journey because it is something that I'm sure uh, many um, listeners uh, would uh, really want and need to hear. You know, many of us do really need to hear such uh, a good news, so to speak, that, you know, we are not alone and that God's grace is always there if only we would tap on it and that uh, he's always there for us. And even if we fall, he's there to, to carry us, but we just need to let him carry us and not try to struggle alone because mm. on ourselves, we can't, we can't, just can't do it, right? Yes, exactly. Don't, don't fight alone. Great. And in a sense, um, uh, what advice would you give to parents to help their children avoid pornography? I mean, this podcast is for parents and I'm sure they would uh, be very keen to see what they can do to help their children uh, avoid um, getting into pornography. Um, would you like to um, perhaps share some advice for parents? I think for parents as well, they should, uh, again, uh, they should have very clear views on pornography. Either it's, I, again, I get the, they should see it as a problem. There are certain parents who simply do not want to expose their children to pornography at a certain age, but then they're okay with it after a particular age. I would say, no, it's, it's, you, you need to have very strong uh, opinions on pornography as parents. Start off with looking at yourself, discuss if you're, if you have not discussed it with your spouse, please do it. Uh, and uh, yeah, discover about your opinions on pornography and yeah, and just have your opinions and try to discover that for focus on yourselves first as a couple, as parents, and then uh, with regard to your child, and this is quite difficult because I never had this opportunity with my own parents, but you need to, you need to create an environment where you can actually, where your child can come and approach you, uh, both, both parents uh, on this topic of sexuality, pornography, and uh, and it's not easy. Every dialogue pertaining to sexuality and pornography, or and and all these other ideologies that are spurring right these days, uh, gender mainstreaming and 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 this sort of stuff, it should essentially be. It, it essentially should start at home. You should create an environment whereby, uh, you know. If the child is learning about stuff outside the home, which is the primary institution, educational institution, then how do you facilitate an environment where the child comes and tells you, okay, this is what I've learned in school. Uh, and then the parents can then share their opinions because, or not in school or maybe from my friends or from my friend's family and so on and so forth. There has to be some kind of a system uh, inside the house, be it some kind of habits or, or tied to culture, a family culture probably needs to be established there. I think that is going to be very crucial uh, to ensure that your child is is on the right track and has uh, a view on pornography, uh, point of view on pornography. Um, this this is what I think. Okay, thank you very much. I think um, yeah, if if I if you may allow me to summarize what they've just said, yeah. which is so so really uh, uh, rich, right? It is uh, basically for parents to be convinced and 
uh, that pornography is wrong, period, right? No ifs, no buts, and no compromises on it, right? Also, to um, that parents be, uh, in a sense, have a good relationship with each other, uh, build on their marriage, and also build on their bonding with their children through um, affirmation, being there for them and communicating with them well, and being just uh, be available for them to uh, turn to should they have any questions and things like that that they bring up and so that they can actually have a meaningful dialogue and that will be an, in a sense a very good support for them right correct yeah. correct yeah thank you so much well maybe uh, one uh, more question if you don't mind me asking is what if parents uh, uh, find out that their children are already into um, pornography all right uh, whether they chanced upon what their ch children viewed or maybe um, somebody told them about it, the siblings or so on. Um, what would you uh, like to tell um, and share with these parents? Wow, that's a good one. I think having a dialogue with the child is, is going to be very important if they find out. Uh, I would also say, if you're not too sure about it, do not Google because often times you may not find the right information on, on Google. You may want to check in with your, with someone who you can really trust or be it a priest or a friend or, an, or, or another couple or an elderly couple that can share some wisdom on how to approach this. Uh, it's, it's also, I also do understand it will not be very comfortable for the parents, but also keep in mind, it will not be very comfortable for the child as well to be talking to um, their parents, especially when there was no, they, there has been no background conversations on sexuality to begin with. So all of a sudden you broach this topic to your child and uh, it may turn out to be more of a punishment rather than actually educating the child on, on, on the beauty of sexuality and the vices of pornography. So I think dialogue, we need to start from there, but then again, it's, it's more rich uh, than that. You really need to reflect on it and pray about it. Um, unfortunately, I can't share more because I, I've not been put into that situation, but I can, I can sense that it has something to do with having a nice dialogue with your child. There's any other kind of like, uh, before we end, you know, any other um, last words that for advice or that you'd like to share with uh, parents who are listening to this podcast? As, as parents, I would say that, especially in this day and age, that you will come across a lot of different parents who will have different views on pornography. And uh, considering the, uh, the sexual um age and propaganda and climate that we're all going through these days i i would say that we'll come across more parents who are more liberal and uh, i don't think this is about being conservative or liberal it's just about protecting your child and making sure you're creating a family uh where which is built on on firm values of human of human life and it's not just about you know, it, it's not just restricted to Catholicism. I, I have a lot of actually non-Catholic friends, non-Christian friends. I've, I've actually encouraged them to read Love and Responsibility because I feel 
Karen Wojtyla does a very good job of actually of actually keeping religion away <laughs> um, when he talks about certain facts about about our relationship to human beings. And I and I would highly encourage families to to not be swayed into what the world is saying and what are the habits and cultures and or mindsets of different families or different couples but just look within their hearts and and um, look within the, the text and books and and wisdom of people who have who have passed on and and people and of course with the grace of the holy spirit you, you will know uh, what to do yeah right thank you so much agustin for uh, sharing your your life really, you know, your struggles uh, and your faith and your strength as, you know, I think your faith really uh, played a very big part in, in your uh, journey. Um, and uh, it is something which has been such a, a wonderful blessing to have, you know, and really it's been a very great blessing for us to have you on this podcast. And I'm sure many Catholic parents have benefited from your sharing, you know. Yeah. I mean, all praise and glory to God. I'm just an instrument. But I'm really glad that you also allowed me to be here. This is my first time in, in any uh, in any such settings, and it, I think it was uh, yeah, it was just an honor to be here. To glorify God. Thank you so much, Augustine. So, dear friends, we just heard from Augustine, who shared with us his journey from pornography addiction to freedom in Christ. He also shared with us how the uh, theology of the body, um, love, and responsibility was so instrumental in his conversion. And since we're on the topic of the works of uh, St. John Paul II, namely the Theology of the Body or TOB, uh, I would like to share with you that at the next interview, we'll be talking with Mr. Andrew Kong, a very well-known and, and passionate speaker on the TOB, uh, who will share with us why this teaching is such a beautiful one of uh, Pope St. John Paul II, and the one that can not only transform us, but really also help us and our children find true happiness and meaning in our lives. So, till we meet again, take care and God bless the anti-family always. Goodbye. <laughs>